Hey, this is Mr. Anderson, Anderson, and you are listening to Two Out of Three Falls. Yeah, 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 what up? You know, it's uh, Peter Rosenberg, Hot 97, ESPN, WWE Network, Cheap Heat Podcast. Um, let's see what else. I got mad jobs out here, but right now, talking all things wrestling with my man Randy Cruz, the Cruise Control Podcast. Sit back and stay mage. You're listening to Cruise Control with Randy Cruz. This is the voice of the New World Order. N-W-O. And Neil Furman's secrets of WCW Nitro. Graham Matthews, Bleacher Report, Daily DDT. My man, how you doing? Doing great, Randy. How about yourself? Doing good, man. Can't complain. Um, this could be the shortest shortest show we've ever done because <laughs> um, our reason being our schedules are a little tight up this week. Uh, we, we, we wanted to do a show uh, prior to Friday, uh, SmackDown, but just back and forth here and there, we just weren't able to do so. We will have a, a longer show next week, but still, we wanted to do something um, for you guys again you can follow the show on uh, SoundCloud um, iTunes and Spotify you can follow Graham on Twitter at WrestleRants you can follow me at Randy J. Cruz R-E-N-D-Y the letter J-C-R-U-Z shirts on ProWrestlingTees.com so a very short show but I think it'll be very uh, very cool and uh, impactful so for those of you who may not know, um, I'm a very big, you know, nostalgic anniversary type of guy. So when it comes to wrestling, I tend to look up what's the upcoming anniversary for a match, for a pay-per-view, for uh, anything historic. So me going through the, you know, the Googles of the world, I came across that uh, today, February 8th, 1986. Um the Macho Man Randy Savage became the Intercontinental Champion for the first time and only time by defeating Tito Santana. And we'll get into Macho's career just a little bit while being the IC Champion. So, Graham, you did not know that today was the anniversary before I told you, right? I knew today was XFL launch day. I remember that much. I forgot it was the anniversary of um, of Randy Savage winning the Intercontinental Championship, though. Mm-hmm. Now, how many times have you seen that match, and when was the last time you saw that match between Macho and Tito? Not many, and definitely not recently. But it's absolutely a match worth revisiting and a match worth watching for those who haven't seen it. I mean, you can't go wrong with Macho, Macho Man Randy Savage. And I feel like, as we've discussed here on the show before, mm-hmm. in our top 10 best intercontinental champions of right. all time, um, that Tito doesn't really get the credit he deserves for being one of the better champions. I think I might have left them off of my list, and even if I did put them on there, I'd probably put them towards the bottom. Mm-hmm. Just because, as we're going to discuss here on this mini show, that I feel like it was Savage and everyone else who came after him that really put that championship on the map. But even though Santana held it for a long time, um, and he had a great reign, but I feel like people don't associate that championship with Tito, which is a shame, because uh, he was one of the better champions they've ever had but um that match alone was really the changing of the guard in many ways for both savage the championship and really the wwf on the whole at that point so i was like three years old so i have no idea what's going on um (laughs) i I didn't get i didn't really get into wrestling or really start noticing 
or paying attention to it to maybe 89, 90. So I'm, I'm three, four years away from even noticing what's going on. So um, Macho Man, Tito Santana, Boston Garden, uh, the character is working up, you know, working the way up the ladder. Uh, Macho was a heel. I always thought he was better as a heel than than a good guy. Tito's a good guy. He was uh, he was Intercontinental Champion at this time, I think, for about two hundred and seventeen days, winning it on July 6, nineteen eighty five. So now we get to the Boston Garden. Macho has Elizabeth there. Um, you know, Macho Man has to uh, has to cheat to win with the brass knuckles. Nobody sees it. He hits Tito in the face. Bing, bang, boom. One, two, three. I think about a 15, 18-minute match, something like that. And Macho Man is the, the new intercontinental champion. But I think what's important to point out is, is what the intercontinental championship meant prior to Macho Man holding it and what it meant afterwards. So prior to Macho Man becoming champion, um, again, for those who don't know, um, you had uh, nine other champions, including uh, the first ever Pat Patterson, Ken Patera, Pedro uh, Morales, Don Morocco, uh, Pedro two-time champion, Don Morocco two-time champion, Tito Santana, who's also a two-time champion, and Greg the Hammer, uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine. So, Macho Man becomes the tenth overall Intercontinental Champion of all time. Um, and, and I, I kind of feel like prior to him winning, it was more just, you know, I don't think it was the workhorse title just yet. I don't think a lot of quote-unquote characters held the title prior to Macho, but once Macho became champion, a lot of quote-unquote characters uh, were able to become champion, like a Honky Tonk Man, like a Mr. Perfect, like an Ultimate Warrior, where it, it, it was really based on the character um, as opposed to just the, the in-ring work. Would you agree with that? No, I would agree with that, absolutely. I mean, it really wasn't about in-ring work at that point anyway. I mean, you go back and watch... For example, a match that people may have considered a classic 30 years ago, probably well beyond that because 30 years ago would have been 1990. I'm talking like the early 80s, late 70s when it came to the Intercontinental Championship and just in general in wrestling. Mm -hmm. It doesn't exactly hold up today. It's just different standards. Um, it wasn't about going out there and having a great match. It did become the workhorse championship over time. I would pinpoint... Yeah, you can say Savage. I wouldn't say it became the, the the workhorse championship until at least the 90s with Bret Hart, Mr. Perfect, Shawn Michaels. Because um, right after Savage held it, you got to remember there was the ultimate warrior. Um, and he was a very memorable champion for more than one reasons, for more, you know, for a number of reasons. But um, he wasn't a great in-ring wrestler, you know. So I think it wasn't really at this point or prior to this point that it was known as the workhorse championship, although it would become known as such in the years that followed no you're right you're right um i think for me the characters of the performers were uh you know getting higher and higher where someone like like you mentioned warrior uh even ravishing rick rude um mr perfect and i think as you mentioned it doesn't get to become a a, a workhorse title until uh brett uh holds it back in 1991 so you know tornado had the bell rick rue warrior honky ricky's uh ricky steamboat held the belt so i think from that point on once macho got it in 86 um you know t to me and i think i've told you prior that 
I think it be I can't yeah, you had the heavyweight title on Hogan, but to me the Intercontinental Championship was just as important, if not more important, than the the heavyweight title. I know some could disagree with that, but um you you becoming IC champion required you to be to be in a ring for at least 15, 20, maybe even 25 minutes. So when Hogan and these guys were uh, world champions, they were there for, what, 10, 15 minutes. So there more more was required of you as an intercontinental champion than as a world heavyweight champion. Most definitely. And you got to remember, too, this was back at the point where, yeah, Hogan was at his peak. Savage was really coming into his own. There was the Ultimate Warrior who became a household name in the years that followed. Um, but on the tours where Hulk Hogan wasn't there, the Intercontinental Championship used to headline a lot of these shows. So it was kind of crucial at that point. Um, this was back in the day where it wasn't WWF that sold the house, so to speak. It, it was people like Hulk Hogan. It was the characters. So when the WWE Championship wasn't on that specific tour, they would have to sell it on the Intercontinental Championship. You do that today, no one gives a fuck. I mean, the championship now is... Yeah, no, it just... Who held it, Who holds it now? Braun Strowman? Braun that would Strowman. mean absolutely nothing. If you told me, oh, SmackDown's coming tonight to Madison Square Garden, the main event, Shinsuke Braun for the Intercontinental Championship, you can bet I am not buying tickets to go see that. <laughs> um, 40, 35 years ago, though, with people like Tito and Savage and everyone else who was going forward to that champ at, at that point, Greg the Hammer Valentine, soon after Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Mr. Perfect, as I mentioned earlier, Ultimate Warrior, mm -hmm. those people could sell the house and they could sell shows on that championship because it may not have been the world title but it did feel as important as the world championship in many respects back then so let me ask you this you know play a game real quick if if if, you, if i put you in that time frame uh as a performer would you rather be the world heavyweight champion or would you rather be the intercontinental champion the world heavyweight champion. I mean, just because, yeah, the Intercontinental Championship. I mean, first of all, obviously the WWE Championship, uh, historically speaking, has more lineage, if only by a few years. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the first champion dates back to 63 with Buddy Rogers. And then the Intercontinental Championship came around in 69 with Pat Patterson, if I'm not mistaken. 79. 79. So, what was that? I'm sorry? 79. 79 i'm sorry not 69 okay so it was quite a ways away it was 15 years later um that being said that's not even that i mean yeah if you ask me today i would rather hold the intercontinental championship but you got to put yourself in the shoes of a performer back then it's got to be the world title if only because you're making more money i mean like if you're the world champion you're the guy and you're the guy selling these shows the people that uh, you know you're the guy that the, the the people count on to sell the show headline the show bring people into the building have the best match on the show actually you know what i take that back the intercontinental championship even back then was kind of the show stealing championship as you mentioned earlier yeah but i mean it would be cool to steal the show but having the best match isn't always as important as having the biggest match and making the most money so i would say from a financial standpoint the world heavyweight championship if you're being smart as a mark the mark in me would say the intercontinental championship i think what's also important is the fact that you know uh you know until macho wins the belt Majority of the, the the title changes happen at, at a at a house show. So obviously there's there's no pay per views going on um, mm -hmm. in 80, 81, 82. They don't start until eighty five with uh with uh, WrestleMania one. So all these title changes are at, at at a house show, which you know even today you might get once in a blue moon of of a title change, but 
you know the first uh the first 10 title reigns were all done at a at a house show yeah, no, I think having TV really made the championship feel more important. I mean, again, I don't, I didn't live through that point. I was, I, I mean, I was born in '95, so I mean, at that point in the early '80s, I have no idea. Like, how do they find out about championship changes? Did they mention them on the shows? Did people find out about it? Yeah, not through the news, like in the newspaper. Honestly, I have no clue. Uh, I have no idea how championship, you know, how a championship changing hands spread word throughout the country and the world, whatever, and how people found out about that type of stuff when TV wasn't as prominent as it is today. Mm. Um, but yeah, having television really made that championship more meaningful because people got to see more championship defenses, got to see more of the champion. Um, so yeah, I mean, and then that was around the point too where they brought in people like Savage and Hogan and Warrior really were all on the ascent at that point. So yeah, having championship was really a game. I'm sorry, having television was really a game changer mm. for the championship. So Macho wins it and he he holds the belt for 414 days so a little over a year he does not lose it until wrestlemania 3 against uh ricky steamboat which we mentioned many times is probably the greatest intercontinental championship match of all time if not maybe top two uh depends of who you ask um how from from february 8th 86 to march 29th 87 how hot was macho man as a heel and as far as a heel run, where do you rank Macho Man's heel run at that time? Very high, and I feel like it doesn't get enough credit. I mean, I, I know people recognize Savage as one of the better, if not one of the best performers of all time. Um, but I feel like people largely remember his heel run after the Hulk Hogan split with the mega powers years later. I mean, I know we're going to discuss this with him as WWE champion, but that's what people remember more. Cause you know, he turned on Hulk Hogan. So it was a lot bigger of a deal, mm-hmm. but that initial heel run as intercontinental champion should not be understated whatsoever. I mean, as great as Savage was the two things that really put him on the map were the intercontinental championship because of the lineage that it had behind it. And, I mean, it was only around for a few years by that point. Um, But the fact that Tito Santana had held the championship for so long, he was an established player in that company. So for Savage to beat him meant something. And not only that, but Miss Elizabeth. Having Miss Elizabeth a part of that act really in a lot of ways made Savage the star that he was. The guy was a great talker, obviously. A great in-ring performer, obviously. But as an act, having that championship... Being the guy to be holding for it, holding the championship for as long as he did with Miss Elizabeth in his corner made him one of the hotter acts in the entire company, if not the best thing going at that point, up until he dropped the championship, as you said, at WrestleMania 3 back in um, 87. So, uh, I mean, Hulk Hogan, obviously, Hulkamania was booming at this point. Uh, a lot of other people were doing their thing on the upper mid card, whatever. But Savage was if not the hottest act in the company at that point, one of the hottest. And yeah, that was honestly, I think what paved the way for him to become WWE champion. And had that, would that have happened without the help of Elizabeth in that championship run? I would argue probably not. So uh, I think it was this run that really helped to make him into the superstar, really helped form and, and, and kind of create the superstar that Savage would become in the years that followed. I began watching Macho and I think it was, I would say 89. I think um, SummerSlam 89 time is when I really started to, you know, recall. All right, that's Macho. That's Hogan. That's Beefcake. 
that Zeus, I think it was the main event of, of 89 SummerSlam. Um, that's, you know, Sherry was involved. So that's when I really started to, to watch and notice Macho. Um, when did you begin to see Macho? When did you begin to notice Macho Man Randy Savage? I know, I know you're a lot uh, younger than me. Yeah. Well, again, I mean, it wasn't really... That's the funny thing. So coming from my perspective, obviously it's totally different with me because mm-hmm. I'm a lot younger and I wasn't around for that point. I was, right. I mean, I, I was, I mean, by the time I started watching, he was long gone and he had passed away in 2011. Um, uh. That being said though, what I, what got me familiar with Macho Man Randy Savage, and you got to remember too, when I started watching, he was, I mean, when he left the company, they never really acknowledged the guy. I mean, he wasn't really, which is crazy now, but I mean, that's what happens. It's a lot like CM Punk. Like people who start watching now probably have no idea who CM Punk is, you know? Mm-hmm. Not saying that Punk is savage, but in the same way where he was a top star for so many years and then he's just kind of forgotten about because of the terms that he left on in, um, what was it, 95 whenever he left for WCW? But anyway, yeah. my initial memories of Macho Man were him as a main event player, the Hulk Hogan feud. That's what probably the first thing that I remember knowing or finding out or learning about Macho Man, Randy Savage, not his intercontinental championship run. So that's where I'm coming from. That's how I know him. And then obviously upon watching more, learning more, researching more, I knew of his intercontinental championship run, you know, follow the matches and everything else. So really, again, it's weird because his claim to fame is the, is the main event stuff with Hogan and the WWE championship reigns. I would argue that those are more memorable um, overall. I would say, at least from my perspective as someone who wasn't around back then, um, but it's weird because I feel like his Intercontinental Championship run was better than either of those runs as WWE Champion. You know what? I I, I was just gonna, I was just gonna ask you that. Yeah, I know we we both mentioned he's the greatest uh, Intercontinental Champion of all time. I, again, I know he's a one-time champion, and you've had people like Jericho and the Miz. And I know uh, great, but. You know, Miz can be a nine-time champ, and you can you can combine all his reigns. It don't match up to Macho. So, mm-hmm. um, again, some might disagree, most might agree. So, you think that Macho Man is more known for his one-time Intercontinental reign than his two-time heavyweight reign? I definitely do. I mean, no, no, no. Well, I, I feel like so. My argument is that. His reign as IC champion was better, mm-hmm. but his reigns as world champion are more memorable because yeah, it's the yeah. world championship. Mm-hmm. And um, again, the IC title run was what got him to where he ended up being at the main event level. But I feel like the IC championship run was better, not just because it was longer. I mean, you know, quality over quantity, but um, he was just always a better heel. I mean, I think that's really what it comes down to. He was a great baby face. People could get behind him because he was such a great character. Um, it's a lot like, I mean, again, I hate to keep making comparisons, but it's a lot like CM Punk where they could both play the baby face heel card very well. And um, as popular as Punk was as a baby face, he was always in his element as a heel. And I feel like Savage, that was the exact same thing too, where the Miss Elizabeth thing really worked because he can kind of like abuse her and 
you know, take advantage of her, blah, blah, blah. And she wouldn't like be, she wouldn't approve of his actions. It was a different dynamic than just the valet helping him win matches. Cause she's a heel too. Mm-hmm. That was kind of what made him more detestable to be honest with you. Cause she had, you know, he, he was married to this beautiful woman that he was taking advantage of. And you really wanted to see him get beat as a result of that. You know, he had the feud with George, the animal steel, one of the more memorable feuds that he ever had in his entire career. And that also helped put him and miss Elizabeth on the map. Um, but again, my initial introduction to Savage was the world championship reigns and the Hulk Hogan feud. And again, he had a really good feud as world champion, but I felt like he was always better in chase mode as a baby face at the main event level. Right. Cause once he won the championship, I mean, what did he really do? Like he had, yeah, he had the mega powers thing going for him, but I felt like Hulk Hogan really overshadowed him in that respect. He was the world champion, but he wasn't the guy. Hulk Hogan was the guy. And then his second championship run years later in 92, I mean, it was a good reign, but that didn't even main event that WrestleMania. So I would argue the IC title reign was better, but the two world championship reigns for a variety of reasons, just because of the feuds that he had and who he was feuding with and the fact that he main evented WrestleMania when he won it the first time are more memorable. All right, Grant, three more before I let you go. Um, Are you surprised that in that era that Macho was performing that he was only world heavyweight champion only two times? Are you surprised by that? No, just because back then people didn't hold the championship, you know, a million times. Hulk Hogan was, what, maybe a two-time champion? I mean, honestly, I would have to go back. He probably won the championship more than that. He's definitely a multi-time world champion in WWE. Uh But back then, maybe he lost it once or twice and then got it back. Like, it's not like John Cena. It's not like Triple H where people would lose it, get it back, lose it, get it back. Like Stone Cold Steve Austin held it fucking five times. Um, (laughs) None of his reigns were really all that great because he was always better in chase mode. Um, So, yeah, I think... I'm sorry. What was your initial question again? I got off track. <laughs> are you are you surprised that Macho in that oh. in that era was only uh, a world champion two times? Right. Yeah. No, I'm not. Like I said, just because people didn't hold the championship more than two times for the most part. Like you said, Tito Santana only a two time IC champion, and it wasn't really until Jericho that people started to hold that championship more than once. And with the world championship, kind of the same thing. They didn't really start the trend of having the championship change hands every other month until like the attitude era, because around that point they had more TV and they can get away with it. They had pay-per-views every month. They had TV every week. So you couldn't really get away with a person holding a championship for more than a year. You know, that wasn't really all that common. And we kind of see that today too. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not surprised by that at all. Although his two world championship reigns, they were good. They weren't amazing, but they were pretty good too for what they were. Um, are you surprised that, uh, that we never got that rematch between Macho and Steamboat? Yeah, I am very surprised. I know they, they, I mean, we actually discussed this here on the show yeah, a while ago. I, I think when we ranked the top 10 best IC champions of all time, that they did have a rematch at like Madison square garden or something inside of a steel cage. I don't think it was televised though. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this is 87. So I, I, I don't think it was televised, but no, that's it. it, it that, that was it. I mean, I'm shocked, honestly, that, um, not just that we didn't never got a rematch just because of how great it was, but I just don't think the timing ever worked out for them to do the rematch. Cause steamboat, for whatever reason, left WWE soon after, I mean, that should have been his crowning achievement going on to main event status, but, and he obviously went on to have those amazing matches in WCW with Ric Flair. Um, but it's really amazing that they never 
did more with him, uh, Ricky Steamboat, as a top guy, and then they never revisited the rivalry in WCW. I guess Steamboat was probably gone by that point when Savage got there in 95. But by that point, it would have been like almost 10 years removed from their original series and matches, so it wouldn't have been as good. But still, I am very surprised they never capitalized on a rematch considering it is one of the greatest of all time. Two more. Do you feel Tito Santana tends to be... You know, underrated, goes under the radar uh, in general and also as an intercontinental champion. Yeah, 100% he definitely is. Uh, I'm surprised that when Pedro Morales died recently in the last couple of years, I'm surprised there wasn't more fanfare around that. Um, Just because he was another one of those guys I might have been the uh, first ever triple crown champion wwe ic and world tag team champion and he died and it was that was just kind of it it was weird like we don't see these guys on tv as much as we should tito i think was on the show maybe about a decade ago at like old school raw or something like that don't think we've seen him much since which is kind of crazy i actually had a chance to meet him about a year ago at wrestlecon because i have a, a replica ic championship that i want to have every former living ic champion sign so i had to have tito sign it and it really made me realize how underrated of a champion he is mm-hmm. uh last one do you have a favorite macho man promo and i asked that because i think his best promos come from when he was the intercontinental champion cream of the crop i mean the cream of the crop promo is probably a lot of people's favorite i know that's not a very bold opinion but (laughs) uh, i was i gotta say i'm almost compelled i feel almost that i have to say that promo just because i was wearing a t-shirt the other day that my girlfriend got me for christmas Mm -hmm. that was a picture of macho man randy savage and it says cream of the crop at the bottom because it was it was from some random t-shirt store wwe doesn't sell it but it's one of the greatest promos of all time people remember that promo even if you don't know what the fuck it means like exactly she didn't even know what it meant when when she bought the (laughs) shirt for me she's like what is cream of the crop mean i'm like and i was explaining it to her but like you watch the promo and you're just compelled like 10 year old me watches that promo when they first came out with that macho man dvd in the 2000s and i'm like dude i have no idea what he's saying but i'm like holy shit this is awesome <laughs> like we'll never get those promos again there's a lot of those promos between him warrior hogan everyone else mm-hmm. they were definitely on crack or fucking something <laughs> at that point so we will never get those quality of promos oh, again man. but it's still one of the most legendary promos of all time and that's got to be my favorite promo I think for me, uh, cream of the crop, um, the beat goes on. Um, anyone with Hogan was good too. When he was like, Oh, you have lust in your eyes for Elizabeth. (laughs) Like that was great too. Um, and I think the, um, uh, cup of coffee. And that was the one that mean Gene was talking to him about, you know, WrestleMania three Pontiac Mm -hmm. Silverdome. And he said, you know, cup of this is ricky steamboat's cup of coffee in the big time and i think for me cream of the crop beat goes on cup of coffee in the big time uh to me had to be his three greatest promos as an ic champion um for those who haven't seen it go ahead go ahead and check out macho man tito santana uh february 8th 1986 intercontinental championship match uh it's got to be on google youtube somewhere uh, i think the one tidbit that I found interesting real quick before I let you go is that he was still getting introduced as Randy Macho Man Savage and later on became introduced as Macho Man Randy Savage. I know very little very little tidbit but when mm-hmm. you go back and, 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 and watch it he gets performed as or introduced as Randy Macho Man Savage and you know after, after that they kind of you know flipped it. 
That's interesting. I honestly never knew that, but it is an ah. interesting little tidbit how it went from Randy Macho Man Savage. I mean, Macho Man Randy Savage just rolls off the tongue better. Yeah. Um, I think maybe that was around the time where they would put the nicknames first and not necessarily in the middle. Like, for example, for example, Greg the Hammer Valentine. They don't really do that anymore. If you if you kind of notice that they kind of put all the nicknames in the in, in, the, in the front um oh, yeah. you know macho man randy savage stone cold steve austin it wasn't steve stone cold austin you know um and they don't they kind of do that today too they always put the nicknames ahead of it they don't really put it in the middle i'm trying to think of anyone uh, there, uh, who is it uh brett the hitman Hart got the middle uh, he got the middle there, there's someone else like today that has it too today um, um. No, actually, no. There's a guy named Josh the Good Woods that's in Ring of Honor, and he has it in the middle, but he's not Macho Man Randy Savage. I'm trying to think of someone else. Uh, I, don't I don't know. know. I don't know. Mostly it's in the middle. It's, it's definitely a Vince thing where he's kind of obsessed with it being in the beginning. Yeah, before, it used to be the Hitman Bret Hart. Then it became Bret the Hitman Hart, so which, which sounds better anyway. But like you said, yeah. they're not saying Steve Austin Stone Cold. They're saying Stone Cold Steve Austin. But I, I found a little a very interesting that um, in the late 80s, even at WrestleMania 3, he was Randy Macho Man Savage. I think, I, I think I'm not wrong about that. But later on, I think 88, they started flipping it to say Macho Man uh, Randy Savage. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, Graham, I really appreciate it. I know we are uh, very short on time. Next week, we'll, we'll do a lot more. A whole bunch of AEW, NXT, Raw, SmackDown, a whole bunch of other stuff. But I hope you guys enjoy this uh, mini, uh, mini podcast with me and Graham. Graham, you're on Twitter at WrestleRant. I'm on Randy J. Cruz. Find the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you, G. I appreciate it. Yeah, most definitely, brother. This was fun. Looking forward to the next one. And uh, have a good one. I'll talk to you next week. All right, man. Take it easy. All right, you too. Adios. All right.